Welcome to your 6x6 Daily, I'm Brandon Stewart, and here's what you should know. In Toronto, hundreds came to Nathan Phillips Square this weekend to protest Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's broken campaign promises. Many Torontonians felt betrayed by Trudeau and thousands of Canadians across the country protested in solidarity. But just what did Trudeau promise to do? Well, he promised to change the way elections are won and lost. In Canada, we use a first-past-the-post voting system, also known as FPTP. Essentially, whoever gets the most votes wins. There are many benefits to our voting system, of course. For one, it's simple. You can count the total votes and declare a winner immediately. If there's a problem, just recount. FPTP tends to produce majority governments. This makes it easier to be consistent with goals and decisions made in office, regardless of popularity. However, there are many criticisms to first pass the post. The most popular of these is wasted votes. FPTP critics have stated that all votes for anyone other than the runner-up are wasted votes. In many elections, there is a clear frontrunner and a not-too-distant second choice. For example, though many independent parties run for U.S. office, the race consistently tends to be between the Democrats and the Republicans. In Canada, we do have our major parties, but only two are usually in a position to win. For this, this is mostly the Liberals and Conservatives. A vote for the party that isn't most likely to win or compete is a waste of a vote, since most likely the third or independent party won't win anyways. Some argue that small parties simply take votes away from the runner-up who might have won. In the 2000 US election between Al Gore and George W. Bush, almost 100,000 votes were given to the Green Party. Many of these voters would rather have had Gore over Bush as president, and ironically, Gore needed only about 1,000 of these voters to have won the election. So what were Justin Trudeau's options for reforms? Well, he did look into proportional representation. This method isn't new, and countries like Germany, Iceland, Brazil, and Russia currently use it. Proportional representation, or in short PR, can be explained just as easily as FPTP. If Tom gets 46% of the vote, then Tom gets 46% of the seats in Parliament. It might not be exact, but it's roughly to the percentage of the votes. The advantages of this are clear, better accurate representation in the House of Parliament and better reflection of the voters. But there are also downsides to this method, and Justin Trudeau has mentioned a few. With outright extremism on the rise, Trudeau may have fears that more outright parties could rise and gain decisive power in the next election. FPTP reduces the likelihood of this greatly, since the representation for small parties is almost eliminated. The change in voting can also challenge Canadian unity. Trudeau commented that with such a large and diverse nation like Canada, the PR voting system would cause divides. Despite this, those who support PR say that the first-past-the-post system could lead to people like Donald Trump winning an election, but this has yet to been proven outside of the U.S. Trudeau is also getting ready to visit Donald Trump on Monday. Trudeau's White House visit will mark the first meeting between the two leaders since Trump's inauguration in January. Trudeau says his responsibilities are to highlight Canadian values and principles, as well as create jobs and opportunity for Canadian citizens. In a controversial statement, Justin Trudeau said he aimed to work with Trump to improve the middle class of both nations, rhetoric that angers some as the idea of the middle class has faded in both countries. Though, this is the first face-to-face -face the two leaders have spoken recently. Trump called to give his condolences after the fatal shooting in the Quebec mosque, and previously Trudeau had called Trump to congratulate him on his inauguration. For Canada, there may be a lot more at stake, however. The trade relationship between the U.S. and Canada is the second largest in the world after China. Trade between the Ambassador Bridge, uh, that's Windsor, Ontario, Detroit, Michigan, alone was equal to all the trade between the U.S. and Japan in 2008. Immediately into his presidency, though, Trump made the decision to leave the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This left the other countries involved, including Canada, to rework an agreement now that the largest economy has exited. Trudeau may also have to address the real threat that the U.S. could do away with the North American Free Trade Agreement, which has existed since 1994. Trump has also been quoted saying that NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, is a disaster. Speaking of trade between the U.S., there is a softwood and lumber dispute that still exists today and might be a topic in the talks. What is the softwood and lumber dispute, you ask? Well, 
The U.S. claims that the Canadian lumber industry is unfairly subsidized by federal and provincial government. This price charge to the harvest of timber, known as the stumpage fee, are set administratively, rather than through the competitive market like the United States. In the U.S., softwood lumber lots are privately owned, and the owners form an effective political lobby. The United States claims that the Canadian arrangement constitutes an unfair subsidy and is thus subject to U.S. trade remedy laws. Basically, foreign trade benefiting from subsidies can be subject to a countervailing duty tariff basically just offsetting the cost for the U.S. But there have been actually four iterations of this dispute since 1982 and no solution in sight. In fact, in November 2016, CNN obtained a leaked memo from the Donald Trump transition team showing that Trump was being advised to include the softwood lumber dispute during any negotiations of the NAFTA agreement and to get more favorable terms for the U.S. With the long history of trade between the two nations at risk, Trudeau will also have to be careful about his comments on Trump's foreign policy. Just last month, the president signed an executive order banning the travel of people from seven Muslim-majority countries, while outright prohibiting any refugees from Syria from entering the country. However, this has been overturned recently. As of February 1st, over 40,000 Syrian refugees have entered Canada. Torontonians should be used to the winter by now, but it seems like we can't get driving in winter conditions right. 300, yes, 300 crashes were reported on highways by the early afternoon. With a total of 15 centimeters of snow falling, driving conditions were bad. 10 centimeters of snow fell before 11 a.m. Despite the city's 200 salt trucks working all morning, there was nothing that could be done to prevent the accidents. After some freezing rain this week and a heavy snowfall Friday, it seems that Toronto is finally in the heart of winter. Stay safe, drive slowly, and make sure your winter tires are up to par. I'm Brandon Stewart. Thanks for listening. You can follow 6x6 on Twitter at 6x6news. You can also reach 6x6 through email at 6x6news at outlook.com. And the sixes are spelled out. Our SoundCloud is 6x6news. And again, the sixes are spelled out. And on our SoundCloud, you'll find links to articles and more information regarding today's episode. Please comment and subscribe.